0: Do you have any idea what that little hole is for in a blue pen cap, Uh, a blue Bic pen cap? You've seen them a million times, not just any pen, but the clear barrel Bic. They're really common. They're everywhere. And it's got a blue cap on it, right? There's a hole in it, and it's not always been there. Do you have any idea why there's a hole there? I just found out. I'm going to talk about it today, but a whole lot more too, (laughs) not just the hole in the pen cap on today's podcast. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Let's get started. Hey, my name is Dave Ryan. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Whether you've listened a bunch of times or whether it's your first time, I appreciate you listening to the show and a little wink to people who've listened to the last few podcasts when we talk about appreciating you not appreciating it but appreciating you wink wink uh if you don't know what i'm talking about go back and check out a couple of earlier podcasts so the the pen the cap on a pen uh there's a hole in the big pen cap and i just found out why it's because kids tend to swallow them and probably adults too and that little tiny hole opens up a little bit of an airway not much of one but that's the purpose and it hasn't always been there maybe even the last i don't know i just noticed it when i saw it pointed out um that it is give, gives people a little bit of hope a little bit of an airway if you swallow a pen cap i know you won't but kids can probably do that you know chewing on a pen and all of a sudden swallow it and this gives them a little bit of an airway amazing the things that we can learn on this podcast hey here's something else i learned uh, the music that you hear in the background during this podcast, um, it is, I mentioned this before, it's written by my friend Johnny DeShay. And why do I mention that? Because it turns out that if podcasters don't use music that is licensed or that is original music, they are breaking the law. And we just got a big company memo that said, hey, listen, during your podcast, Because we're all expected to do podcasts. You know, we do several podcasts for the show. We do the morning show podcast. We do the one called uh, Minnesota Goodbye. Fallon does one. Uh, She does actually a couple of podcasts. And um, we're, you know, podcasts are better with music most of the time. And it turns out that you're only allowed to use about 30 seconds or less of a commercial song. For example, if I want to use Welcome to the Jungle, I can use it, but I can only use about 30 seconds of it. And I think that's the law. I don't use really any except my own because it turns out our company sent out a memo and said, hey, don't use like you know copyrighted music because we can get sued for it there's a guy who did like a poker podcast and there was 233 different instances of this company using music like Maroon 5 or you know Taylor Swift or whatever for this podcast and each violation is $150,000 so that's a whole lot of money for all the violations so whether he'll get nailed for it or not probably not the entire amount but um, I thought that was interesting. So shout out Johnny Deshay for writing my theme song and I appreciate that. So just got back from Colorado for Christmas and um you know, not to sit here and be the guy who just talks about my vacation for, you know, the last eleven days. Um, uh, but to see if there's anything in there that we can talk about, that we can learn from. Because the podcast is basically all about, hey, what's in life that we can learn from? What are we doing in life that we can learn from? And you know, I've got my things that I like to share with you, and then you've got your things that you'll kindly share with me. And I really appreciate that. Uh, I got an email. I'm going to open up this email here from somebody who asked for some advice. And I want to see if your advice would be the same as my advice. Let me find this here really quickly. Um, here it is. Hold on. Amy writes and says uh, to Dave Ryan at KWB.com. She says, it's the first time I've written in and listened to The Morning Show and all of The Morning Show podcasts. I have a question or idea for Dave. Something is happening more and more, and I'm not sure what is right. But it bugs me. Should you call somebody back if they don't leave a message? I say no. But am I wrong? I would say close friends or family, yeah, you can call them back when you have time, but I've noticed more and more that I get calls from people that I may have called, but I didn't leave a message, call back. So this happens at my work a lot. We have sales reps that make calls, and they may or may not leave a message. I get three or four calls a day of somebody returning a call that no one left them a message to call them back. I always have to ask them, well, did they leave a message? They end up saying, oh, well, I'll listen to my messages. What a time waster for them and me. I caught my son doing this, and I got kind of upset with him. I fully believe that you do not call a number back that called you if they did not leave a message. Oh, okay, I was a little confused by what she was asking. Okay, so in other words, if I call you and I don't leave you a voicemail, you don't have to call me back, right? I think that's true. You know what, Amy? I'm on your side. But if Susan called me and didn't leave a voicemail, I could call her back and say, yeah, you called, what'd you call for? But if I get one from like a strange number and they don't leave a voicemail, well, then it just must not be very important. So Amy, you know what? I'm on your side. Um, uh, And she said, I thought what she was asking was if you, if somebody calls me and they don't leave a voicemail, I'm a little, I was a little confused by it, but no, if they don't leave a voicemail, I don't think that you need to call them back. Um, And I hate phone calls on my cell phone anyway. Raise your hand if you're tired of getting phone calls on your cell phone. When it rings, I go, ah, shit, who's calling? I don't want to talk to you. So, Amy, I'm on your side. Uh, other emails to dave ryan at kdwb.com while I'm scrolling here. Uh, Stephanie um, sent me a picture of her daughter. Reading my book, which she got for her twenty first first birthday, she said, "Oh wait, it's not Stephanie. Hold on, hold on." Um, She sent me a picture of her daughter at here. It is um, at Benihana. Um, She sent me a picture of her daughter sitting there holding my book at the table of Benihana, and she didn't have an explanation why. So Megan said, oh, my goodness, I'm sorry for sending that picture without any context. Um, uh, The picture was taken of my daughter, Haley, on her 21st birthday at Benihana. Two days later, I had a hysterectomy, and a few days after that, Haley and I flew down to Fort Myers, Florida, for recovery. So anyway, we love the morning show and appreciate your almost daily wisdom. Uh, Megan Goodwin. Thank you, Megan, and I hope that Haley really enjoys the book. Um, That's, you know, basically... The target for the book is, you know, anybody who listens to the show, people like you, uh, people who want to learn from somebody else's mistakes like me, and young people like Haley. So Haley won't make the mistake of loaning people money and uh, doing other things that I suggest that you don't do in the book, because most of the things in the book, I have done myself, and I want you to save the trouble of making the same mistakes. Um, We're going to get right to a chapter, and... uh, um, the chapter today is inspired by... Oh, let me. you know what? Let's do the chapter. Then we'll go back to Colorado a little bit for some things that, that happened out there. Sorry, I'm all over the place. Uh, you know what's funny is I've got two computers here. I've got a, a pad of paper and I spend more time organizing the show than I do actually doing the show. And I'm still a little disorganized tonight. But here is the chapter, inspired by the fact that I just got back from Colorado where weed is legal. And I was inspired with this chapter, to do this chapter this week on the podcast, because I was in KFC picking up food for the family. Saturday night, after Thanksgiving, we didn't want turkey, we'd already had pizza, so I went down to KFC, bought a big bunch of chicken for the family. I'm standing in line, and I smell weed really strong. Now, weed is legal in Colorado. And I'm like, oh my God, somebody just stepped up behind me that has is, is smoked a lot of weed. I turned around and you could not have been more textbook cliche of somebody who loves their weed. Guy in dreads, guy just like had a chill look on his face. I turned around, we made eye contact and he gave me that nod, you know, that nod that's like, hey, what's up? And I kind of gave him the nod back like, hey, what's up? But we didn't talk. He seemed really happy though. but. God, that weed smell was strong. So my chapter here is number 61. It's in the book. Take a shower. Show up on time and don't steal anything. Smoking the weed. And here we go. I don't smoke weed. I think life is fun enough and challenging enough without it. I don't have a problem with people who smoke it, but I can honestly say I have never once met a person who regularly smokes weed who is more than moderately ambitious. Now, in my unscientific focus group of friends and acquaintances who partake, most of them are good people with jobs, who pay taxes, and buy Christmas wreaths from the Boy Scouts every year. But I can't think of any one of them who would make me say, wow, that guy is really going places. The funny thing is, I don't blame their character. I blame them for choosing to smoke weed. I'm confident that if they put down the one-hitter five out of seven days a week, did they still call it a one-hitter? My friends used to. Uh, They'd be a lot more ambitious. Sorry, but it's true. Some people might be offended by this, but you can't argue with it. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Every time I say that on the radio, somebody calls or texts and they say, listen, I'm a professional. I make you know six figures and I smoke a bowl every day. Okay, well, number one, I'm not sure that that's true. I think that, that might be true, but I don't have any evidence that what you're telling me is actually true. Number two, I just don't, in my experience, I don't see that. I see people who smoke weed, who love to chill instead of doing something ambitious. And you don't have to work all the time. I see people who smoke weed who take shortcuts. I see people who smoke weed who still live with their mom and dad. I think there is something to the cliche that if you smoke a good amount of weed, it probably... It either makes you lazier or you were lazy to begin with. Am I wrong? If I'm wrong, put down the one-hitter and send me an email. I would be happy to be corrected if you think that I am wrong. Maybe you're super ambitious and you went to Yale and you're a PhD and you're a pharmacist or a doctor or an attorney and you smoke a lot of weed. Let me know. Send me an email to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com because what's life all about if it's not about learning that we were wrong? (laughs) Is that one of the great lessons? Learning that we were wrong and then going, oh, shit, God, I hate to admit it, but I was wrong. Uh, Okay, so skipping back to Colorado, outside of the KFC thing, I got to tell you a quick little story. My sister Donna, God love her. She is the sweetest soul ever, but oh my God, we have always rubbed each other the wrong way. And Donna, if you listen to this podcast, and I don't think you do, I don't think Donna knows what a podcast is. um, You know I love you, but Donna and I have always just been like oil and water. And I love her dearly, and I would do everything anything for and if she ever needed a place to stay, uh, my door would always be open to her because I love her. However, ever since she was I was little, we've just rubbed each other the wrong way. Um and my funniest story about Donna was recently she fell into a manhole. And I won't tell the whole story because I probably told it before. She texted me and she said, David, I fell into a manhole. I'm like, are you can't you can't make this shit up. How'd you do that? I don't know. I just stepped into a manhole. Are you okay? I got some scratches. I'm going to the emergency room. Donna, don't go to the emergency room. If you don't need to go to the emergency room, don't go. You can't afford it. You don't have insurance. Don't go. She went. She wasn't hurt, seriously hurt, but she went anyway. Um, And she, um, on Thanksgiving... Um, or was it Saturday night after Thanksgiving? Wanted to have the whole family out to the house in Colorado. She lives in Colorado Springs, so have relatives over, got my family over, Chase and his girlfriend drive out. Donna doesn't have a car because she wrecked her car. That's another story. Um, And so she lives about 40 minutes from the house, so I thought, I'll send an Uber. So the Uber guy goes to pick her up, And Donna walks to a part of her apartment complex that is not where I told him to go. So they're crisscrossing back and forth. Donna's walking here. He drives there. It must have been like out of a sitcom. I said, Donna, please stay in one place. I've got the Uber driver on the phone. He's looking for you. He's right outside your apartment. Well, I'm not going to wait for him there. I'm going to wait for him down at the front wall, at the front office. No, Donna, he's going to, he's at your apartment right now. So she walks back over and at the same time he goes down. So eventually I told the poor Uber driver, I said, just cancel it. And he was like, gladly five buck cancellation fee. Um, I don't know, but you know what? It's one of those things. I got five, five, five siblings and I love all of them. And I'm, they we drive each other crazy sometimes some of them never drive me crazy oh and fallon and steve always give me shit about my family saying you're a bunch of rednecks let me tell you about my nephew my nephew is 14 wants to be an army officer plays the cello plays it beautifully and also was impressing us on saturday night by solving a rubik's cube repeatedly and i'm like Here he is. That's it. Kate, there's the one. There's the one of the family. There's the one. There's the one of my family, my extended family, that is super bright. There he is. Get a picture. Um, Shout out, Jacob, and good luck Um, as an Army officer. I really think he'll do it. Uh, Was there anything else I wanted to tell you about? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Carson, uh, we were coming home. We drove home. Take the dog. So the dog goes with us to Colorado. We're driving home with the dog. We get out in, um, where did we stay last night? Grand Island, Nebraska. Good halfway point. This morning, um, I said, Carson, take Josie out to poop. Okay. He didn't argue. Comes back, and I said, did she poop? Yep. Did you clean it up? Yep. I said, I don't believe you. Do you know why I don't believe you? And he said, because the poop bag is still tied around the leash. I said, yes. Go back and pick it up. Okay. He says with kind of a dumb grin like, I got busted. I'm like, Carson, you're a Boy Scout. Clean up the fucking dog poop. This is a basic tenet of life. Clean up the dog poop. Can I tell you that this is an interesting little thing that I saw in um, a magazine in Breckenridge. Breckenridge, Colorado, big ski resort, people bring their dogs. The dogs will poop all over and nobody picks it up. So, in the springtime, when the snow melts, there's a layer of dog poop, and it's disgusting, and people think that they don't have to, and maybe because they're tourists, or maybe they're just assholes. I don't know. They don't pick it up. So Breckenridge is going to institute something, or they're thinking about it, where when you get a dog, it wouldn't work for tourists, but for locals it would. When you get a dog, you've got to register your dog's DNA with the city. Then if they find dog poop, they take a little sample, and they link it to your dog and they send you a, a, a bill for $150. Wouldn't that be great? Isn't that brilliant? But isn't it sad that not picking up dog poop has become such a problem with people that they had to even think about doing this? It's like not farting in an elevator or it's not like picking your nose and wiping it on the wall at work. And some people have done that too. Um I don't know. Isn't that crazy? But I hopefully, hopefully they enact it, and hopefully that'll uh, help people remember to pick up their dog poop. At this point, of course, buy a clipadoo. The clipadoo is what led, lets you uh, carry your dog's poop without carrying the bag. Next week on my show on the podcast, take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. We're going to do Dave's favorite things, and one of them is the Clipadoo, and you can still order it on uh, Etsy.com. Just search Clipadoo. Seriously, that sounds so cliche, but it makes a great little stocking stuffer. Just show your friend or your relative or your brother or your dad how to use it. Throw in a roll of poop bags, and they're going to be really happy. Um, uh, The Clipadoo keeps you from carrying your dog's poop. They carry it themselves. Uh, All right. Um, All right. Somebody wrote in and they said, Dave, can you talk for a little bit about your failures? I mean, you know, you have a great run at KDWB and give some of your failures. And I'm like, oh, my God, how much time do you have? And I thought it was worth bringing up to talk about my failures because we can all learn from somebody who failed. Why did it fail? Maybe it was a bad idea. Maybe you didn't follow through right. Maybe it was just poorly executed. Maybe there was no market for that idea, or maybe it was too late for that idea. Maybe somebody stole your idea. Why did you fail? So let's talk about that. Let's dive a little bit deeper and talk about things that I've done that have failed. Well, radio worked out for me because I cut off every other possibility. I knew that I was going to do it. I wasn't going to do anything else, and I didn't have any backup plan. I loved it, and I think that just you know everything from like what I used to watch when I was a kid to what I used to read when I was a kid to what I think is funny has all kind of come together and helped me to do okay in radio. But not everything I've done has been a good idea or succeeded. Let me jump back to about 15 years ago when they used to do that um, Dateline NBC to Catch a Predator thing. Remember that? Where they'd like you know trap some guy and he'd think he was talking to a 13-year-old girl. So he'd come to the house and he'd come walking in. And who's there? Uh, was it Chris Hansen, I think? And he'd be like, hey, it's Chris Hansen from uh, Dateline NBC. Have a seat right over there. And the guy would be like, oh, uh, yeah, um, I thought that she was 22. Anyway, so I thought, ah, a great idea to come up with a shirt that said, I got busted on Dateline. And so Susan, my wife, said, yeah, it's a great idea. We had a bunch of shirts printed up, and they said, I got busted on Dateline. Now, if you know what a DOS prompt is, and maybe you do if you don't. If you don't, it doesn't matter. But a DOS prompt was something in the early days of personal computers um, that you would type a command in. Well, it started off with a DOS prompt. And then it said, I got busted on Dateline, which to me added a little bit of computerized authenticity to it because the whole thing took place like in a chat room. Okay, so most people did not understand the DOS prompt bit and people did not buy the shirts. They didn't want one. They didn't care. I sold maybe a dozen out of a hundred that I got printed. I gave the rest away and I was glad to be get rid of that project. I got busted on Dateline t-shirts. Fail. Next one. Uh, 25, 28 years ago, uh, before the interwebs, um, radio needed radio used to, um, how do I, how to explain this? It's not, it's not complicated. I'm having trouble explaining it. Um, a magazine, a monthly magazine of radio jokes. That's what I wanted to put out. Cause I had, you know, a bunch of great ideas and a b- bunch of great jokes. I thought I will put out a monthly magazine of jokes And people will use these jokes on the radio show, and they'll subscribe to this. They'll tell their friends, I'll make a good amount of money of this. This is going to be awesome. So I learned a program. I think it was called Microsoft Front Page, which was basically a publishing program that lets you make newsletters. I wrote a bunch of jokes every month. I put them into this newsletter, and I sent out samples to every radio station morning show that I could find in the U.S. and Canada, hundreds of them. And... This was before the internet so I had to look them up like I don't remember how I found all these radio stations but I found them mailed out hundreds of samples with a little subscription card that you could clip out and fill it out and mail it back to me along with your check or whatever and I sent them out and I waited I thought one day I'm going to go to the mailbox and there's going to be it's going to be stuffed with the with checks and subscriptions and it never happened and every day, Day, I remember going out to the mailbox and going, okay, well, it's been 10 days. That's probably three days to get to them, three days for them to figure out that they want to do it, and then three days to mail it back. Today is the day I open the mailbox, and there'd be one subscriber. And the next day, none. And the next day, two. And the next three days, none. And I think I ended up getting about 30 subscribers eventually, which was not worth the trouble. So I kept doing this. It was called gag, G A G. Exclamation point, And it was a magazine I put together about 10 pages every month for about two years, and I was really proud of it, and it never took off. Fail. Friend of mine, Kid Craddock, who is a radio guy, at the same time, he put together a magazine called Morning Mouth. His was glossy with pictures, and it was better, and it was awesome, and it lasted for 10 or 15 years, and uh, Kid Craddock is gone now, but his magazine lived for a long time until magazines really kind of started to die off about six or seven years ago. Fail. Next failure. Um, I had a great idea for a book, and I actually talk about this in my book, Take a Shower, Show Up on Time and Don't Steal Anything. That one worked out okay. Okay. I had an idea for a book, and I was—I can tell you exactly where I was. I was coming out of downtown Minneapolis on 394 westbound, and just as the road curves and straightens out to the west, I had an idea flash into my head like a bolt of lightning. What if I wrote a book called What's It Like? And I talked to people who had really interesting experience, and I asked them, what's it like? And they described, what's it like? What's it like to walk on the moon? What's it like to have uh, to be HIV positive? What's it like to be on a game show? What's it like to write a number one hit song? What's it like to climb Mount Everest? And I started writing down all these ideas and searching for these people. And I talked to dozens of people, everybody who'd like, what's it like to, um, to have cancer? What's it like to, and I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but just some were mundane. What's it like to have your airbag pop? I remember it was kind of a funny one. What is it like? I mean, does it? Or is it really loud? Is it scary? What's it like to be struck by lightning? What's it like to be in a tornado? What's it like to blah blah blah? And I interviewed, and I interviewed, and I phone made phone calls, and I recorded all of them, and I paid a woman to transcribe every single conversation, and I edited it and I spent a week of my vacation one year editing all these conversations and I sent it to a publisher and another publisher and another publisher and none of them really liked it they said there's something there but I just don't quite see it so fail here comes the double fail about 10 years ago I was watching the today show on a Sunday morning and they were interviewing two guys who had written a book called what is It feels like. Now, remember, my book was going to be called What's It Like? Their book was called What It Feels Like. It was the exact same thing as mine. Now, I am by no means accusing these guys of borrowing my idea. That's not the point. But whatever it was, I sat on my idea. They moved on their idea. They made theirs happen. Mine fail. So there's another failure. Oh, you think I'm done? Oh, no. I've got at least one more. And here we go. Um, again, maybe 10 years ago, I had an idea for a website called Number One Rule. And it, if you type it in, it still might be out there. I don't know if you, what you get if you load it up. NumberOneRule.com. What's the number one rule for golf? What's the number one rule for being married? What's the number one rule for staying faithful? What's the number one rule for making friends? What's the number one rule for bowling? What's the number one rule for getting good grades? What's the number? And I thought, holy shit, I've stumbled on a gold mine of ideas. What's the number one idea for finding the the ideal partner? And I thought, I'm going to make a website where people go to the website. And they browse number one rules. What's the number one rule for choosing, um, I don't know, choosing a car? What's the number one rule for buying a car? You could browse through these and you could enter your own and you could tell why you're an expert. And it would have been beautiful and perfect. And I was so excited. I thought, my God, this website's going to take off. And it probably still would. There's no reason why it shouldn't take off, but it did not. I'll be honest with you. I think a lot of it had to do with the internet was a little bit newer back then, and it wasn't user-friendly. And I'll be honest with you also, it was an ugly website. It looked like a fucking cow pasture. The colors were gray, tan, and gray. <laughs> it was just awful. And I think that when people went there, yeah, they responded a little bit, but it just wasn't a fun looking website it looked like something you'd look up like you know prescriptions on or you'd look up laws on it was horrible looking but it was an idea that was another fail so there are at least 4 failures that i've had um the clip ado hey listen i don't have big hopes for that one it's just for fun the book take a shower show up on time and don't steal anything has been a much bigger success it's sold several thousand copies and i encourage you to buy it for somebody for christmas this year hey listen let me know about your failures let me know about your thoughts on the podcast let me know about anything that you want to talk about Uh, maybe you totally disagree with me about the weed thing i would love to uh, you know um, read your email. And I was going to say, I'd love to come over to your house and we'll smoke a bowl together and we'll talk about it. But I I, I don't have time. You know that's not going to happen. Um, but I would love to hear from you. Send an email anytime to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Okay, hey, wrapping up. Here's that music again. It's Johnny DeShay and the closing theme to uh, take a shower, show up on time and don't steal anything. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week on the podcast.